the not very nice and anatomically inaccurate prophecies of Oh Lord, Hear the Server for the prompt duos. Dynamic, written by They Call Me Donham and read by Literarian and Job. Scene 1. East London, Soho area, morning. A busy weekday morning in Soho. Nobody is expecting anything untoward, which is, of course, exactly the kind of time the most untoward things happen. Cut to close-up. Newton Palsifer buys a cup of coffee from a street-side cafe. Thank you. He lifts the cup to his lips and is interrupted by a very rude gust of wind. <whistles> no. Not a gust of wind, a swarm of flies. <laughs> Wide shot. The whole street is in chaos. Flies swarm and buzz up and down, some of them actually seeming to attack pedestrians by darting at them repeatedly. People are screaming, arms are flapping in a most undignified fashion, and Newton drops his cup of coffee. Just as it dawns on everyone who might be behind this dastardly, incredibly bothersome deed, Newton looks up to see Low Angle, White Shot. A giant fly. That's right, a giant fuck of fly with bulging, multifaceted eyes and bristling hairs and huge wings. Sitting atop it is none other than the notorious supervillain Beelzebub, Prince of Flies. Medium close-up, Beelzebub. <laughs> Abandon all hope, citizens of London, for your peace and quiet are mine. All shall run in terror from the might of Beelzebub. Long shot. The London skyline is dwarfed by this massive creature. It starts spewing out sticky green slime from its mouth. The camera pans quickly to catch the green stuff jetting out and slapping all over the windows of a tall building. Mid shot. Newton runs helter-skelter away from a jet of green slime that hits the pavement behind him. Cut to close up. Newton looks up in abject terror. He's certainly going to miss his train now. Large flies, small flies, they're everywhere. Beelzebub cannot be stopped. This looks like a job for... Cut to low anger. From out of the blue sky descends a mighty figure with a flaming sword. Edo lens flare here, so his face is concealed. But when he comes into focus, we see that it's none other than the superhero Sentry. Broad-shouldered and barrel-chested, Sentry has an impressive blue cape and wears no mask. So all innocents who look upon his friendly face and baby blue eyes know that this is a hero one can trust. 
and all villains looking upon the sortie wheels know that they are now well and truly fucked. Not in a good way. Sentry! Insert text. Sentry's tight logo and the subtitle, Guardian Angel of London. Be not afraid, for I am here with my trusty sidekick. Cut to midshot, low angle. Another figure descends from the skies, this time from a rappelling line. He is hooded, cloaked, and wears a pair of dark goggles that obscure his eyes. It's the one and only Crimson Viper. Crimson Viper. Insert text. Viper's title logo and subtitle. Dark Defender of the Night. White Midshot. This shot frames the two heroes standing battle-ready side by side, with the chaos of the street behind them, flanked by green-spattered buildings and fleeing, screaming Londoners. But some are already cheering, knowing that they are about to be saved. Sup? Right on cue, dear boy. I thought you were my sidekick. Midshot. Sentry raises his sword, powerful and fearless. He points it at Beelzebub. Prepare to be swatted, O oh Prince of Flies! Pull out, white shot. Sentry's blade glows with heavenly fire that forms the shape of a giant glowing flies water. Cut to medium close up. While Sentry is threatening Beelzebub, Crimson Viper is obviously checking him out with a barely concealed grin. Impressive. Very impressive. Cut to mid-shot. Beelzebub is undeterred by this development. They summon more flies to their side, ready for battle. Oh, that's how it is, Sentry. Your feeble threats don't frighten me. The minions I have at my disposal are many, and soon even you and your sidekick will submit to my power. Cut to long shot. Crimson Viper looks more than a little bit miffed, even as a jet of green slime rockets towards him and Sentry. Hey, now. Crimson Viper parkours in front of Sentry. He spreads his long cloak, and it protects the both of them from the jet of slime. Close up. Sentry realizes that he and his not actually a sidekick are standing face to face, and very close. In fact, their lips are only a few inches away from meeting. Oh, this won't do. It's terribly unprofessional. Well, nobody can exactly see them because of the cloak, but still. I'm nobody's sidekick. Oh, come off it. You haven't a leg to stand on to be considered a proper superhero. The jet of slime stops, and they quickly race towards the monstrous fly, dodging all of Beelzebub's other minions. It's pretty clear that Crimson Viper gets by with incredible gymnastics and free-running, 
while Sentry can actually fly. He swats at the flies with the glowing fly swatter made from the energy in his sword. You haven't even got real superpowers. I've got style, haven't I? Sentry yanks him by the cloak out of the way of a particularly furious fly the size of a small cat, which has tried to nosedive him. Style does not make you bulletproof. Or even fly-proof. But Kevlar does, and that I have in abundance. Medium shot. Angle on Beelzebub atop their giant fly, commanding their forces with vigor. Cut to wide shot. Sentry and Crimson Viper approach the giant fly, which is crawling steadily up the street, easily dwarfing the closest buildings. As shards of glass rain onto the street, the two superheroes hide in the archway of an old church. We must break Beelzebub's mental control over these creatures, but they clearly have the upper hand with all these bothersome flies acting as their eyes. There's only so much your giant flyswatter can do, I'm assuming. We need a real diversion. I propose the third alternative strategy. Close up. Crimson Viper's reaction. He makes a face. It is hard to read the true emotion behind this face. Outwardly, it's one of disapproval or disagreement, but it also might actually be one of fear and genuine concern. Oh, let's not do that one. Too risky. I think it's the only way. Azira, Sentry... If we pull that now, what if our other enemies catch on the next time we try it? Maybe we should save it for, I don't know, a real emergency? Medium close-up. Sentry's reaction, a withering and wary look that betrays years of having to put up with Crimson Viper's particular methods of reasoning. And what, may I ask, constitutes a real emergency? Alien invasion. Off camera. I'm afraid we've no other choice. Cut to wide shot. Like the subject of many kaiju movies, Beelzebub's enormous fly has taken to knocking down the tops of buildings. People are fleeing from set buildings, only to be attacked by flies. The camera follows Sentry, as he swoops in to prevent a large section of roof from crashing into a crowd of running people. He manages to seize a large portion of it, but it cascades over him in so much rubble. Camera pans. To show us Crimson Viper leaping out of the corner of the church, but not able to make it into the open in time before the rubble descends over the archway. Medium close-up. One last terrifying shot of Crimson Viper stumbling as he tries to get away from the falling building before it crashes to the ground and he disappears out of sight, certainly crushed. 
fly shoots another jet of slime at sentry, and in an attempt to deflect it with his sword, the weapon falls from his hand. Sentry topples out of the sky and lands in a heap. Close up. It's not looking good. Sentry struggles to his feet and looks around for Crimson Viper. The only sign of him is a pair of smashed goggles not far away. Light shot. Sentry stands with his back to us, disarmed. In front of him looms the big buck with trembling wings and the supervillain riding atop its head. What have you done? Oh, Sentry, you're soft for that slippery little snake. Well, I won't allow you to wallow in misery any longer. Hi, Anger. Sentry starts walking backwards along the ruined street, hoping the fly will follow him. You've lost your sword, and with it, your powers. I know how this works. Now you're helpless, and without your pesky little sidekick, I can take you down without further distractions. You're all by yourself, and I've got a whole army. Beelzebub gathers all the flies to them, and they swarm in a thick, ominous, buzzing cloud. At their command, they fly straight towards Sentry. Let's see if even your famed invulnerability can withstand this attack. Long shot. Sentry turns and runs the flies chasing after him. Cut to medium close-up. Angle on Beelzebub, as they watch their minions attack Sentry. But their moment of triumph is interrupted when their giant fly steed squeals as... <coughs> a tremendous force cuts through its body, splattering them and their surroundings with flies' blood. The camera swings around to Beelzebub's view as they turn and witness Crimson Viper soaring through the two halves of the fly, Sentry's flaming sword raised. Zoom in! Crimson Viper's face now revealed with the goggles gone. He's got a truly manic grin. Hi. Smash cut to close up. Beelzebub shrieks with surprise. You're supposed to be dead. Slithered my way out of that one, too. Cut to medium close-up. A half-uncovered manhole next to the pile of rubble that was thought to have crushed Crimson Viper. When we cut back to the high angle of him floating above, in a sword, he can also see another manhole open on the ground beneath that fly. And speaking of which, as the dead fly collapses, wings trembling, Beelzebub leaps off of its body, rolls to the floor, and runs. A blast of pure light knocks them off their feet. Cut to medium close-up. Crimson Viper looks at the glowing sword appraisingly. That comes in handy. Close up. Beelzebub coughs and gets onto their hands and knees. They look up. Low angle. Sentry is standing above them, 
gazing down with a very disapproving expression. And the flies? The flies have dissipated, now buzzing about aimlessly or retreating to someone knows where. In fact, it's kind of relaxing and charming. If they'd been butterflies, or even dragonflies, perhaps the effect would be nicer. It's over, Prince of Flies! Oh, fuck! <laughs> Cut to white shot. Crimson Viper descends, landing a little ungainly. He wobbles and wavers and stumbles over his own cloak as the flaming sword passed down. Cut to close-up of Sentry's face, trying not to laugh at the sight. But it's not a laugh that's taking the piss out of him. Rather, it's a fond laugh that might even say, I love this ridiculous man. Eventually, Crimson Viper hands the sword back to Sentry, trying to look very cool. Keep a better eye on your stuff next time, Angel. Thank you. He points it at Beelzebub. Now it's best that you come quietly. Smash cut to... A newspaper, hot of the presses, spins out of the blackness and stops in full view of the audience, the headline screaming, London Hero Duel Safe City. The front photo shows the giant fly carcass cut in half on the street, with sentry, covered in several fly-induced cuts, beaming in the foreground with Crimson Viper, who is pulling his hood over his face. At their feet sits a furious Beelzebub, who is revealed to be a lot shorter than anyone realized, tied up with one of Viper's rappling lights. Cut to Exterior AZ Fell & Co. Bookshop Evening The windows to the small eccentric establishment are bright in the dusk that falls over Soho. They glow with a warm amber light, and through the windows we can see the bookshop owner, Aziraphale, puttering about before retreating to a back room and out of sight. Cut to interior bookshop back room, moments later. We find ourselves treated to a wide view of the back room, which is set up for company, a couch arranged just so, a bottle of wine and two glasses, a fire in the hearth, as Aziraphale enters and picks up the newspaper with its exciting headline, one of the windows slides open and in slips a dark-led figure with flaming red hair. Angle. Aziraphale doesn't even look up. Hello, my dear. Have you seen the news? Hey, Angel. Midshot. Aziraphale barely resembles his powerful alter ego, Sentry. He is a fluffy-haired, posh-looking bookshop owner who looks as if he never ventures further than the end of the street, while Crowley, his nighttime visitor, is wearing a black turtleneck and jeans that are only vaguely reminiscent of Crimson Viper's suit. Crowley slinks over to Aziraphale's side to look at the paper. Well, we look good, don't we? And see what it says. London duo. Medium close-up. 
Engel und Crowley. As Zeraphil looks up at him, as if seeking his agreement. I suppose that ought to put our arguments over who is whose sidekick to rest. I'm good with it if you are. Doesn't sound so bad. Pull out, as Crowley settles into the couch, and Zeraphil comes round to join him. He pulls glasses for them. Duo seems a bit more teamworky. Then to our success today and to our continued partnership. Hear, hear. They clink glasses and drink. Engel on a zero fear, as he puts down his glass and gazes at Crowley. Are you all right? You did the most today. Wielding the sword, everything. I knew it would work. Yeah, you were right. The third alternative strategy was the only way. Intercut between medium close-ups of both characters. Next time, let me be the one to fake my death. Oh, come on. The comeback isn't as effective. You know, people got shots of me using the sword. It's awesome. But, you know, it's not really my thing. You're its rightful user. Yes, the comeback was rather effective. Beelzebub certainly didn't expect you to bring that little surprise. But, oh, I don't know. What? For a second there, it wasn't hard to believe you'd actually been crushed by that falling building. I was worried. At least next time, if it's me, we both know I'll survive it. Wait, you really thought I was... More wine? Angle on Crowley, as he stares off into the distance, contemplating death. Well, contemplating what would happen to Aziraphale if Crowley were really to die. Because, really, they face dangers together ranging from the slight inconvenient to seriously life-threatening to the outright fucking bonkers mate. In all that time they worked together, they learned together how to be better superheroes, better teammates, better people. Crowley realizes that Crimson Viper is at his best when he's fighting alongside Sentry, and she can only hope that Sentry feels the same. On the off chance that Sentry could keep protecting London by himself, if something happened to Crimson Viper, Hypothetically speaking, of course, nothing would change, except for the fact that Aziraphale would never know for sure he was loved. In the end, he turns to face Aziraphale and pushes the wine glasses gently away, urges him to set them down again and look at him, and he takes Aziraphale's face in his hands and kisses him. After a moment of surprise, Aziraphale kisses back. The kiss deepens, they wrap their arms round each other. Aziraphale slides into Crowley's lap. It's a few more moments before we, the audience, realize that they are no longer exactly kissing, but remain with their faces pressed against each other as they hold their fill, releasing the tension of the last few years. 
we give these two their privacy by slowly pulling away, all the way out of the window, until we come into a white angle of external Soho, Greek Street, outside the workshop, and wider still, until more of the city enters the frame. Damaged buildings, wrecked cars, people putting out electric fly zappers, and the carcass of the giant fly still lying in the street. Fade to black.